The International IVF Initiative is a worldwide non-profit education project for the assisted reproductive technologies community, sharing scientific and practical knowledge for embryologists, reproductive scientists and anyone working in the ART community. Each episode will share an insight into the world of IVF, along with profiles of legends within the world of ART, latest news and wisdom from our community. Welcome to the latest edition of the i3 podcast, where we are heading to Ukraine to hear from some incredible individuals who, despite what is happening in their country, they are still honouring their work as embryologists to do as much as they can to protect the precious materials that they work with against all odds. Now, first of all, Giles speaks with Pavlov Mazur, an embryologist in Kyiv, to find out how he is, how his family are doing, and Pavlov explains what happened to his clinic as war broke, the situation with ART in Ukraine, and concerns about the availability of liquid nitrogen. Where are you? What are you doing? How is your family? Uh, well, I'm in Kyiv, and my family stays with me. So we are here at my apartment. Uh, we've uh, assembled all our uh, luggage, so we're ready to leave at any moment and we always are closed up uh, so we're ready to leave it whenever it, whenever it happens so i don't work my clinic is closed and as far as i know almost all the clinics are closed for now we have several clinics uh, Western Ukraine, they are not, uh, they, they don't start any new cycles. So they've uh, finished all the ongoing cycles and now they, they, they do not stimulate or start any, any new cycles. Uh, but some of them are finishing the frozen cycles, I mean, they, they made the cryo uh, embryo transfers, uh, and that's it. So uh, you can say that uh, the whole uh, RT in Ukraine for now is... I'll talk about it in a minute, but I just want to find out that, you know, like your situation. I mean, you said that you're ready to leave, but like there's they're shelling all around you. Well, is it not possible uh, not to leave Kiev, at the moment? Uh, or? Well, we, we consider for now that uh, Kyiv is the safest place in Ukraine for now because it's well defended, it's a capital and it's huge. Yeah. So it's not so easy to siege it or to, well, to invade it because it's well protected and at least for now we have everything the ones need to survive we have an electricity the internet we have uh, a water supply uh, some supermarkets are still working like a shop for example so we have our supplies uh, and well we wait for now we wait if the situation will uh, go in worse in the worst case scenario then we will be forced to leave like evacuation from kiev something like we have cities around kiev and there is evacuation for now in this regions for civilians so you're able to get food for start in our conversation before i was you know i was worried i heard people were living underground 
obviously in horrendous conditions and there was food shortages. I mean, for now, you've been you've been able to get food. Yeah, food yeah. and water supplies. Well, some uh, pharmacies are open, so we have uh, medicine if we need. Yeah, for for Kiev, it's uh, for, well at least for now. Uh, you can you can live here almost almost like a normal way. Of course, it's a war out there, and time to time we hear these uh, explosions. So yeah, but uh, well, we, we we don't need to hide in. Uh, Elders yeah. for now, but well, we when we have this uh, alert for missiles, then then well, we need to to go to the shelter. But uh, luckily, uh, for Kiev, it's not so often as for other cities in, in Ukraine. I mean, it's been you know, it's been two weeks now. The time that we're speaking now, it's been two weeks, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, you haven't been able to get into work. Could you do something before you left work to sort of, um, you know, help the situation in the clinics before, or did you really have to flee? I live like 60 kilometers from clinics. So for me, it's, uh, and I don't have car, I don't have a driver license. So uh, it's impossible for me to get there in time. And it was uh, some sort of uh, panic here and many cars traffic jams many people so and overcrowded uh, public transport so uh, on 24th of february and the next day it was impossible for me to reach clinic well, physically yeah uh, but we had some people who live nearby and they well two of them i guess or three of them they have finished all the cycles, they cried, they vitrified all the embryos, all the zygotes, all at any stage. So that on 25th of February, they've just uh, vitrified everything and put them in the cryostorage and then they left the clinic. No, but we had, uh, we had, I guess, uh, several embryo transfers that day on 25th of February, 25th of February. And they've, uh, well, they've thought and transferred those embryos. <laughs> and probably that's the last that we had in our clinic. You know, it seems a bit strange that we're talking about work in wartime, basically. But, you know, your colleagues are with you. You've got, some, you know, some amazing support from all over the world. I mean, I'm just surprised that, you know, people could work under those conditions. But, but you said that some clinics in the West were, were still operating or they were like running down. So they were, they were treating the final patients. Yeah, I know it hasn't yeah. been. Yeah, you can say that they're running down because they, they also, even in Western Ukraine, they have, they also have this uh, alert uh, of uh, air missiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, they, they, they're running down. So they, they've also, uh, have uh, pre uh, well, th they've cultured embryos uh, to day five, six, or seven, or like in a common mm -hmm. way. 
and they've then vitrified all of them and they do not start any new cycles no stimulations no site pickups and they they're finishing their uh, cryo embryo transfers so the cycles that they had uh, stimulated for for a cryo embryo transfer so they, they, they they're finishing these cycles what about things like liquid nitrogen and supply yeah, that's that, you know um... great question here because well it, it was my first thought uh, at 24th of february because liquid nitrogen when you have all the supplies cut off and all the roads are closed and you have military people everywhere and you have shelling so uh, liquid nitrogen, well, we've been through there in 2014 as well, I suppose you uh, have uh, read our letter from embryologists. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we've gone through this in 2014 in uh, Lugansk and Donetsk, that's two cities in uh, eastern Ukraine, and in Donetsk, uh, well all the embryos died there because no one could supply liquid nitrogen and that was my the greatest fear here in kiev uh, so that this situation can repeat someday uh, and well luckily most of clinics they had uh, plans for evacuation of their cryobanks so they've gathered all the viewers them in trucks and send them to western ukraine or abroad i don't know yeah. uh, but for some of us it's uh, technically impossible uh, have you seen this uh, huge uh, mv uh, cryo storage is like for 400 more almost 500 liters of liquid nitrogen how can you transport this it's well technically impossible yeah. for now and yeah it, it was a very uh, painful question for all of us so i've immediately started to gather information in kiev who has or possess some uh, storage of liquid nitrogen here because our main supplier he, he didn't respond well on on our calls letters so it was complete silence uh, but as as you know, the viewers they can keep the temperature up to three months. Well, it's more than enough. But not all of our clinics had the full uh, fulfillment of these viewers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that <laughs> that was a period of a small panic here for a week, I guess. Uh, uh, until the end of the first week so we had a list of uh, 11 clinics who needed liquid nitrogen uh, we've, we found well the, the supplier appeared but only pick up option so you need to go there and they the location of our supplier of liquid nitrogen it's only one for Kiev, unfortunately uh, it, it's located under Kiev. Uh, in the region where the, the most uh, intense uh, uh, fights are going now. So, and then they ask you to go there with your uh, uh, transportation viewers, fill them in there, 
and go back to Kiev and well use this liquid nitrogen. So it's only pickup option for now, but they are working. And we've, uh, we've managed to create this list of clinics and to make the connections between clinics and the supplier because uh, they, they work again, there's, well, they're not fully operated, right? Sure. So they have only uh, several people uh, left there to operate this uh, whole equipment. And uh, we've established the direct connections between clinics and those people. So, uh, so you're in contact. So you're in contact with some of the other clinics. Yeah, which, yeah, which, yeah, of course. We have which... we, we have created the first thing that we've done. Uh, well, it was unintentionally, but the day before the war started, uh, my colleague she created some sort of a chat in Telegram for to gather all the embryologists of Ukraine. And it was kind of a handful <laughs> the, the, the yeah. next day because we've uh, communicated and we're, we're constantly online with each other. So we have a direct connection between all the clinics, all the embryologists in Ukraine. Well, not all, but most of us are, are in there. That's how we actually have made this letter. And uh, for my disappointment, uh, no one has responded to us no one i mean uh, we've sent it to well all the companies we know and for, for like for five days they keep silence so no I mean, we've heard of people taking you know jewelers across the border okay um it would be great to hear what's happening uh, with your other colleagues as well you know any so, day could you be called up to fight or, or would you be in more like the medical side uh, of things do you know in it yeah well uh yeah it's possible it's possible that i will go there uh but first of all i need to to be sure that my family is safe and then well, of course whatever. of course well we have our own plans for you as well as you know that listen um anything i can say is like nothing compared to what you're going through now i'm really pleased that i can see you and you're well uh, or, it's the same here or you, you look well okay um look after yourself and your family and yeah, we'll speak we'll speak very soon just send me a link and we'll speak okay yeah thank you okay yeah. right thank you no. happy here yeah bye right. Right. Uh, send you. my regards to uh, everyone here and the i3 team are keeping in touch with Pavlov. Now, next up, Giles also spoke with Uliana Dorofeyeva, who's the medical director at Overgene Egg Bank, about the logistics of moving this material and the regulations across borders. Silly question, but how are you? Yeah, hi. Hi, hi. Thank you. As you know, we, we are okay as much as we can be under these conditions. Uh, I'm currently in Slovakia in Bratislava. And uh, we moved here on the three of the war together with our samples the first time. Uh, and uh, since then we've crossed the border already three more times, bringing more and more containers, more and more embryos from our center and for international individual patients. Mostly we are getting thousands of the requests from the international patients who've been treated in Ukraine in different, different clinics. Um, and they are all hoping that we can get the materials out. So for this, we need to communicate with the local clinics. We need to get there being agreed to get their storages. Some clinics move their storages from the central 
and the eastern Ukraine to the west. But Ukraine are not operating properly. We had our facility in Kyiv, which is absolutely closed now. And the, even the, the files were in the, in the windows and elsewhere. So it's, it's definitely closed. I didn't know how much it will take to be renovated in our facility in Lviv. We organized a temporary hostel for uh, women with children who moved from central Ukraine and from the east to west. Lviv is very crowded right now. There are thousands of people there. They are all looking for the apartments. They are all looking for the, for the food, for the very basic needs. And uh, our team there who is staying there in Lviv, they are volunteering. They are helping people. So we use, as I said, our capacities to, to, to give mm -hmm. them the possibilities to sleep and to stay. So this is how we are acting under this condition. I mean, thanks a lot for spending time to talk because you must be incredibly busy. But, but I believe that, that you've, you've taken many samples out of the country, if not all from your clinic, and you're, and you're helping other clinics do the same now. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. Because, you know, we are the country outside of the European Union. And because of our practical experience and the, the cooperations which we had internationally due to our own side banking activities, we have an agreement in place with the clinic from the European Union. Under this condition, we are able to move the materials across the border. Like there is no legal uh, possibility just to move the materials from non-EU country to the EU country. Uh, and this requires a specific documentation, the specific process uh, to follow the regulations because we don't want to risk um, strictly according to the law. Uh, our friends and the colleagues, uh, I had a communication with uh, Dr. Attila from Hungary and he was initiating the meeting with um, national representatives from the ASHRA. And uh, after that meeting, we got an official re reply and the consensus of the committee decision that they are supporting the movements of the governments, but still, we need to follow the, the procedures regarding strict uh, conditions of crossing the, the border. That's why it's not still that easy. Like the, the custom is not reading the, the committee decision of ASHRA and based on this letting the samples uh, pass, you know. The audio is very bad. So let me just recap that. You have an agreement by the committee for ASHRA to move the samples, yes? Yeah, this is since yesterday. Yesterday, we received that letter and this was a committed decision by Astra to support okay. the movements of the governments from Ukraine to the countries in a territorial um, who, are, who are located territorially close to Ukraine or who have a one border or even not one border, but still they are close. Right. Now, what about things like patient information about the actual software, you know, the files, that kind of thing, are they all stored separately and are you able to access them? So this is a very good question regarding, like I can share our experience and we are using the electronic witness system and all files are encrypted and we have the access to those files online. So all this data is uh, securely stored in the cloud server. So there is no risk of losing any data for us. But uh, of course, different clinics have different resources, how they store their information. Some of them, they keep it also electronically. Some of them, they are keeping it in files. So the situation can be different in different locations in Ukraine. It's, it's, you know, this is amazing times and there's, you know, and there's so much going on and we're talking about embryology, but I think 
the support that you've got from embryologists worldwide has been amazing. And I just want to, you know, hear, you know, your experience, you know, like what you're doing. What about the patients who there was quite a busy surrogacy service running in Ukraine? What has happened to that? Do you, have you heard about people who were choosing to have surrogates to continue their fertility journey? Surrogate mothers, like clinics and agencies are taking responsibility to take care about the surrogates. And still during these nine days, uh, uh, I think over 30 uh, babies definitely have been born from the surrogates. This is the figure what I've heard the last. Probably for today, maybe even more children have been born. So they are born in, in the different conditions, of course, in the conditions where, where it can be. Many of them are moved also to the west of Ukraine, where, as I said, still there is really crowded there, but the hospitals are working under the urgent conditions and uh, a lot of medical staff are involved uh, of the volunteering to help everything to happen. So, uh, you know, also we had that situation with the COVID just recently, uh, one year ago or one and a half, once uh, it was uh, not easy to get into Ukraine. So the conditions now are even worse, but for sure cleaning are doing great of taking care of their patients, of their surrogates, of their embryos, uh, just to provide the best care we can. With the samples which went out the country really quickly, the frozen samples which went out the country before you had some kind of agreement, how was that sorted out? The algorithm of moving the samples between non-EU country and the EU country is strict. It's regulated and it's really strict because we need to pass the customs. We cannot go just the green line, just to put the, the materials uh, in the car and just go. So there is a strict, specific algorithm which we need to follow. We are well aware about this algorithm and this is this know-how help us to move the gametes right now. So as we did for our gametes and as we are helping our individual patients who are in touch with us. The committee decision of FASHRA uh, has been uh, initiated just yesterday. So 8th of March, we received the committee decision. But this is just a document which says that ASHRA is supporting uh, everything what we are helping, what we are managing, how we manage in Ukraine, the situation that we are helping to move the gamuts. They do support this and they ask the national representatives to support as well. Meaning, but still, the any kind of the relocation of the materials or any kind of the communication or uh, movements of the gametes, it needs to be between the licensed facilities. It should be between the facility in Ukraine and the facility which is going to receive the samples within the EU. And then the specific conditions need to be met. It should be the cooperation agreement under which one facility is ready to release the samples and the second facility is ready to accept those. As well, we need to cross the border. While we are crossing the border, we need to go to customs. We need to declare the goods which we are going, which are going to cross the the the, the, the border. That's why it's a lot of like the 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 algorithm and the committee decision of ASHRA is helping because it says that more clinics are ready to accept the materials, but still we need to follow the process. This letter cannot be helpful in the customs. We still need to do a lot of procedures while crossing the border. I think because of your prior experience, you had collaboration with clinics in Europe anyway, didn't, didn't you? So you had some, some plan in place. That's correct, isn't yes. it? Yes, 
Yes, this is what we did, but there should be a will of the clinic which is going to relocate the materials and the clinic who is going to accept this. So it's negotiations and the agreement between two licensed facilities. I am moving between uh, Brno and Bratislava right now. I'm visiting the clinics. We are talking to the, to the clinicians here. We are just discussing the options for continuous treatment of our international patients because these individual patients, they had delays due to COVID. They couldn't come to Ukraine and now they are facing this stressful situation of uh, being not aware when they will be able to continue their treatment in Ukraine. And once they know that their materials are shipped to Slovakia, they can consider some countries like Slovakia and some other countries close to here where they can still continue their treatment. So this is uh, what I'm involved with, uh, just the negotiations with the doctor and the communications, and they are all absolutely friendly and ready to accept the samples after they will check the conditions, of course, and the documents and every consent and everything. But but they are open and they are willing to to help this like us as clinicians and patients as an individual patients willing to get the pregnancy. Well, look, thank you very much for your time and keep up the amazing work you're doing. And we'll speak soon. Okay, thank you. Amazing to see that that paperwork came through, hopefully making this process easier for all involved. And the final part of this conversation is again with a member of the Evergene Egg Bank, Birol Iodin, who is the lab director and scientific advisor there. He has previously spoken on an i3 webinar and Birol is a man on a mission to rescue all frozen embryos and sperm from his clinic. So here he is speaking with Giles about what he's been doing. Thank you once more for agreeing to speak to us. I mean, You're you've welcome. got you've got far more better things to do than speak to us and as embryologists you know our first thoughts are, are with the embryos okay and people have said you know this shows you know this shows dedication of the embryologist it does but it goes far beyond that you know what you've had to go through i'd like to talk about that if we will we've seen what you've been up to these past few days like 14 days into this war i'd, I'd like to start off with saying I've met you before on I3. Can you tell us a, a little bit about your job in Ukraine? Now, you're not from Ukraine, and that's why you've been able to move about for start. And a little bit about how many clinics you are involved in there, first of all. Actually, uh, I am originally from Turkey. So uh, I was working since 2006 on IVF field as embryologist with many different countries, almost 20 different countries. Mostly I worked as a consultant, as project manager, like lab director in a different region and different clinics. Since 2018, uh, I just come for the consultation reason for one week to Ukraine uh, for in Kiev for one clinic. And after that, it was a small clinic at that time. So we find out something to change, of course. And as embryologist, like uh, I'm a different type of a little bit. So I like the new adventures to start something new, to create something new and to help people. This make me happy. Uh, so I'm not a type of that start stay in the lab all the time and to make like spontaneous lab work, regular lab work. I should make science. I should make research. I should create a new opportunities for people. That's why like uh, I say to them, okay, like I will stay with you at least one year to help you to develop your project and idea. And 
how I stay in, in Ukraine. And after that, I find out that those people are, are really intelligent, so really open mind, but just they need, of course, opportunity to show something new to them and they are getting into the uh, IVF field more and more. So they are open to invest, they are open to science, research and everything. But of course, they are a bit side of Europe and the level of English in the country is not high developed. So young people are speaking, but old generations still like just speaking Ukrainian and Russian. So that's why for them it's difficult to involve uh, like a general scientific research or others. But mostly they are theoretically well-known they are really intelligent and they have really high practical skills in the lab. Then I find out that yeah, I'm really feeling good in Ukraine and I have many things to do. So long time I was dreaming to start an egg banking, international egg banking. So which egg bank also can produce egg and prepare and to send US, Canada, like Australia, the different countries. And we, we find out that this opportunity also, we create an international egg bank, which, which we are working up to 30 different countries now. While almost there are around 40 clinics in Ukraine, all of them working with the field of IVF, egg donation, surrogacy, and all of them has high skills of embryologists and IVF specialists already. Mostly like we were making international activities, of course, with the, especially for the surrogacy, and in the last period, even we pass up to 150 cycles per month, which I'm talking about only 100 cycles of surrogacy sometimes per month, which is really high. Of course, it's not easy to organize like 100 surrogate per month and 60, 70 of them getting pregnant. So you should follow them. You should take care of them. So a lot of newborns every month that the clinic built really good organization that almost all clinic as a legal department, marketing department, uh, IVF field in Ukraine year really progressed so much, especially the last several years. Because I was going to ask you, you know, all those questions. And in one question, you know, you've answered a lot of that. Why was it so popular? You've said about the actual scientific level that it is in Ukraine as well. Do you know what's happened to a lot of the surrogacy, uh, you know, cycles and the, and the women that are pregnant? And what's happened with the whole, whole system? Do you know what's happened with that at the moment? Yeah, actually, of course, I cannot say clinic by clinic agency, but agency how they are acting. But as my clinic and our agency, uh, we try to move that all surrogate who is staying in Kiev to out of Kiev to secure places as the east west part of the Ukraine. And we succeed mostly that. But of course, now it's a difficult situation. Actually, like a, we have a many pregnant. So some of them, we were even able to uh, take them abroad, like the different countries. Almost many newborn baby, we save them, we secure them to secure places. And some of them even we just get to give them their recipient family. So they, they just took the baby and to go to their countries. Uh, actually, we try to protect all, all. We sent them food, medicaments. Actually, we, we try to protect them as much as we can. But of course, sometimes it's a difficult. I cannot sure. say uh, all of them like 100% are under comfort. So some of them difficult to take them out or change their decision because still they have families. They have their own child, husband. Oh. So they don't, they don't want to leave them and to go. And this is their right, actually. We cannot push anyone for that. Have you had any like, intended parents you know, like contact you or have you heard of yeah. other clinics? Who, yeah, who actually, very, very, you know, anxious of what's happening now. Yeah, actually, like uh, all intended parents under 
contact with me and with the clinic, with the agency as well. So of course we are trying to support them while for them to find information about their surrogates is sometimes difficult, uh, but we are providing information. Uh, some of them uh, just reach us and say that their surrogate needs medical help because you know, this is a very stressful uh, situation and they are, they are pregnant. Unfortunately, I believe some of them also get abortion for this reason. That, that is dramatical, but it, it happened for not just for us, for many sure. different clinic yeah. and surrogate. But I have to say intended parents were really supportive. So they understand situation for them. Just they were worrying not just about their child, but they were worrying also about the surrogates and their health uh, while surrogates are still carrying their baby. And they were really looking to situation from the direct from human basis. So it was it was wonderful. We didn't get any problem with the, any intended parents. Just the point we try to support them and try to find more information about their surrogates. Most of them have, of course, contact direct contact with surrogates. We have open surrogacy, so they know all information mm -hmm. about surrogates. So they are in contact, but you have to know that surrogates doesn't speak English. So all of them Ukrainian. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And for intended parents, very difficult to, to make them in contact. Of course, they are trying to help about food, about money and everything. But now such help is limited. Like you have to be physically over there, especially in Kiev or Odessa or Kharkiv, just, just you can help. So other way, you don't, you don't have chance. Of course, that we know many people, we have many friends, so which are living over there, especially uh, that, you know, men cannot go out of country while they are obligated with the military. Especially we are asking help from them if surrogate need food or medicament or different. Some of the clinic were really helpful. So still in the safe place, like in Lviv, Ushgarod, so the clinics are still can work, can give some, some services, not IVF, but emergency services. So they are doctors who are monitoring our surrogates. So helping to them to give different medicaments. So they were, they were also supportive. So I cannot say like any clinic leave the surrogates. So all of them try to protect them. Yeah, I'm sure. And I mean, it's a terrible situation, you know, that goes without saying. But I'm sure that, you know, that the intended parents and, and anyone that was planning to be treated there, of course, this is all, you know, spinning out of control and things, which, you know, which we've never, you know, never thought about, of course. Where are you now? Actually, I am now in Sweden, in Stockholm. So what is the reason I am here? Well, you know, we moved all donor oocytes and all patient embryos from the Kiev, from our facility to Europe, to Slovakia. Uh, but of course, now our patients so some of them want to move their embryos to their country while of course we will give them some option i mean we are hoping to back to kiev to our facility as soon as possible but mm -hmm. we are also realistic we know that will take time and also we need time for recovery of everything so system will not work immediately like even worth today completed uh, we will give them alternatives from the different clinics. We already make different agreements for different clinics. Uh, but of course, some of them have right to take their embryos to their country or which clinic they want. So that is the reason I just ship here today to Sweden uh, the, the donor eggs for the treatment of patients while they are waiting a long time. Most of them, they are preparing endometrium for embryo transfer. So 
just I bring the donor sites while our courier company is not, uh, cannot give actually service while they are all male and they are all stay in Ukraine while they cannot come. And as embryologists with my team, we are seven embryologists. Now we are trying to also work as a medical courier and shipping the materials to different countries. I do want to hear about how you got the samples out in a moment, but you as your team with your embryologists, have you got some female embryologists that were allowed to leave and are with you? So is there a team of people who are who are helping with the paperwork and about and about the logistics? And, and, and like being curious, in fact. Yeah, uh, actually now as a male only, I am able to go out from the country, from whole team and so six female embryologists. So I bring them with me. Uh, they are here. Uh, of course, we bring almost 70% of the, our medical team as who is female also to abroad. So uh, we try to organize for them flat. We are trying to support them for food. Of course, it's not easy. While one and a half million people move from Ukraine in a once, so mostly they come to border near the border country as a Slovakia, Poland. Already everything are booked. You cannot find easily flat. You cannot find easily to stay place. So it is difficult. Of course, like all European countries, I have to say they are really supportive and they are really helpful. They are trying all their possibility. People are helpful. They don't use that as a like advantage or business perspective, but yeah, they were not ready for such things. That's why places are limited. And now, yeah, uh, that my team is of course controlling all storages. So daily we should fill them, we should monitorize them that about level of liquid nitrogen and safety. Also, we should pack a lot of material as embryos and all sites we are moving to abroad depends mm. on patient wish. So now we are traveling with them and just to move. Can I ask you, Ukraine is not part of the EU, and I believe that there's been some problems with you actually transferring into Europe. I believe it's been helped out by ESHRA. They've had a committee meeting and a decision. But how difficult was it for you to actually forget the actual physical difficulties of moving it out? But as far as the paperwork, was there a lot of paperwork problems and a lot of customs problems that you had to you know, had to deal with? Yeah, actually... The first of all, we have uh, very experience about custom process while we have Eggbank. Uh, we have a lot of transfer uh, through Europe to other countries while, you know, that especially for egg banking, we should get SEC coding. So how we are getting, because Ukraine cannot get SEC coding while we are not, not in, in Europe, but we have third party agreement with the European clinics. So three European clinics, we are getting sec coding for egg donor and that we are moving to other European countries. So this is totally legal issue. And we have experience about like a paperwork, custom paperwork very well. Of course here, that main question was like authority and clinic will give acceptance letter while we are moving embryos. So it's not the same to move eggs and embryos. It's totally different. So that's why I mean that here we have to be very thankful for like a specially Slovakian authorities and the clinic while they give us such such advantage. But from another side, I'm very aware. So it's it was very risky. While it's a big responsibility, especially for me. I mean, the first thing when everything happened, like uh, I really first thing, like just I ran away to clinic to to get as much as storage I can. But finally, my car can get only four storages, not more. But at least I said, okay, I will take some of them. When you arrived at the border with the Jewers, and we've got pictures of you and the cars, and we'll speak yeah. about that in a moment. But 
how easy was it for you to just cross the border with these mm. things? Because, you know, you know, in times of war, we shouldn't have to overthink this about, you know, consents and about, yeah. you know, getting authority. But I'm sure that people were interested, suspicious, or in fact, there was probably no difficulties in getting those samples across the border. So yeah. what actually happened there? You know, did you have agreements with the clinics already and, that, and you had the paperwork or, or did you have to wait a few hours yeah, it happened so quickly, actually. Uh, while when I start with the storage from the clinic, I make a call and the clinic and uh, our site start to prepare documentation in advance. So that clinic from Slovakia sent all acceptance letter and documents from the custom office. Uh, while because trip take 27 hours from Kiev to border exactly it's a so long trip normally it's like a 500 kilometers but because everyone trying to escape it was a big line so it was so difficult uh, but we had enough time to prepare documentation from our side our team start to prepare custom documentation while we can pass from Ukrainian custom and from that side, Slovakian clinic prepare all documentation while we can pass. And they register our car as a medical courier car. So uh, when we come to Ukrainian custom, actually it was quite easy to pass from Ukraine because they understand the situation and also they are trying to save, of course, the future. Actually, I was thinking like Slovakian part will be much more difficult. Yeah, it takes time. I can say two, three hours we wait, but everything was by order, like because nothing illegal here only accept the patient consent. But, you know, the custom people just are looking like if we really carry up in the storage safety material. So all that the documents were showing that we are keeping a safety material. That's why we didn't get any difficulties on custom. This is amazing what you're telling us now. But if we just turn back the clock a little bit, you know, and you realize that the invasion was imminent, perhaps you had planned before. What were your steps as far as you went to the clinic? Were there days before where you had the tanks fully full of liquid nitrogen? Unfortunately, 2014, um, there were similar incidents of this. So perhaps, you know, people are sort of pre-warned that, you know, clinics may be shut or whatever. But, you know, can you just like walk us through how you physically got those jewers and what you did and over the, you know, and how long it took really? To do yeah, that yeah. Uh, actually, from story starting, it was like morning, 6 a.m., 5 a.m. Like I, I was just sleeping and I heard a big, big voice with explosion. I, I was just looking from window. I see everywhere as fire because I am living in city center between my house, the clinic by car around 15 minutes. Just like in the same time, I received call from the medical director of our clinic and she said, okay, just war start to just run away. And well, I didn't know what to do because there are two things. The first thing, like all of our incubator was fully with patients. So there are a lot of material over there in incubator. So I call all my colleagues. No one is able to come. Only one, two girls, like they come after two hours, the big trip, because all car was already accident on the road because everyone making a panic, road were blocked. So finally I reached the clinic and immediately we start to, freeze first all embryos in incubator. Someone is a day one, someone is day three, day five, whatever. We freeze all embryos and all incubator were empty. We put them in storage. And then I try to move storage to car, but you know, this is 60, 70 kilograms and we don't have anyone in the clinic except girls. So we try to move and we, we succeed that. And just for me, of course, that embryos are important to take them, but also I want to take my team. So I don't want to leave behind my team. Uh, 
and all of them has either boyfriend, either husband, a child. Of course, there it's not easy to take them. At least some of them I take with me. So it was emotionally so difficult because this is their country, their home. They don't want to leave. Uh, but I pushed them and I, I took one of them at least with me. So we started to uh, drive to Lviv while we have to go first Lviv in a safety place and then to pass the custom. Our plan was because, I mean, we have 22 storages, not just four. Well, all 22 should come. I mean, I cannot separate the patient between because all of them has important material. So just I, we start to drive, but line is not going. Actually, like it take 27 hours to us to, to reach the Lviv. And then we reached the Lviv, but our aim was to bring in also another storages. And we find out some truck driver who is really brave. And of course, like uh, this is kind of situation. I mean, we don't think about financial issues. So of course we, we pay what he deserved, what he asked, but he was able to move. And then he moved to Kiev back and to try to take all other storages. But the, another story, like actually our clinic are located very close to the military area, the biggest military building. So our clinic is under risk. Like this street is under risk actually. While someone should come to clinic and to load this storage to truck and this truck can come to us, our medical director and our clinic CEO, so they take their life risk because anyone can shut them on the on the death road because that road there is a big fight between but they enter and they load the storages and those storages also move to move to live it while we come to live it then we start to pick and we had actually two unsuccessful trial we moved the poland borders both poland border in the first one we wait on the line 30 hours but the line only moved one kilometer Still, we had a far away 14 kilometers to border, so impossible to reach. And then we try second border. We spent 22 hours, only 500 meters we moved, so impossible. And then we found a way to use a from Slovakian border to custom line. So we pass custom line without any waiting. So uh, then we arrive custom line and the first four storage with my car and four storage with uh, my colleague Dr. Uliana car. So eight storages we move easily to, to Slovakia. And then we come, once again, we enter to, to Ukraine and we move eight more. So that our plan- So you came back, so you came back to Ukraine. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, didn't actually, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I enter again. So of course the entrance also was difficult because like a Slovakian border police state, I mean, it's so risky for you. While you are not from this nation, you are not from this country. So we don't want to accept you inside. But I explained that situation is sensitive, so I should take this because my car is registered on the custom. So if just one car gone, while Dr. Uliana is Ukrainian, she can go easily, but she can take only four storages. So my aim to bring in more storages. So finally they accept me also. And we enter again and we bring eight more. So actually we will enter again this weekend and to, to, to get the last group of storages and we will complete 100% of sample will be in in Slovakia. So you're going again this weekend? Yeah. I mean, that is, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm shocked. I mean, you know, you know, what you're doing is amazing. And I'm sure, uh, you know, other air biologists feel the same. Are the storage, where you got the samples, is it in Western Ukraine at the moment? So it's a little bit yeah. safer or, yeah? Yeah, yeah. They are all in West of Ukraine. So as our clinic, we don't have any storages or any material in Kiev. So all moved to Slovakia and 
just 10% of the storage still is in Lviv, but we can't recover. So of course, like it's not a just point of we will move our storages and story will end. So our aim to help also to other clinics. I understand for them is difficult while no one in Ukraine has such custom experience. This is a really not for us a bit easy because we know, but for them it's not so easy. So already many of them contact with us and we will try to help also to them. What, you mean the other clinics? Is that, is that what you're yeah. saying? Because the other clinics have, have been trying to trying to do this as well. Have you heard from them at all, apart from? Yeah, of course, also they, after especially this extra document, so they, they also want to move there. And also, of course, parents are making like a pressure. So they want to move their embryos out of Ukraine. And as like we decide with Dr. Yana that whatever we can do, so we want to support all of them and to help them to move out, they, like to save all of them because I mean, it's not a point just our clinic and our patients will be safe, other not. So I'm, I'm, I'm really ready, like a 10 times to go more. So I, I don't mind. That's oh, amazing. You know, this is, um, you know, I'm lost for words, so, but, you, but you're in Sweden at the moment. And you'll travel yeah. back to the Ukraine to pick up the samples. You mentioned before that there were several times where you were stopped on the road. And I think you you had to lose all your electronic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Actually, it happened. I can understand that is normal. That's why I made, I didn't make any difficulties. Because, you know, war is not a just going with the weapons or gun. Also, there are that IT parts, like they are hacking each other, like they are taking information. And all electronic devices, recorder, and everything is not safety. So... They don't know what kind of information you carry up, what kind of, so th that's why, to be honest, I don't mind. And I believe this is the right way what they are doing. You mentioned IT. What about the patient's files and electronic or paper? You know, how can you, you know, trace them and contact them? And, and, and has that been damaged in some way, either in your clinic or in other clinics? Yeah, this is the first thing, like, about hard copy, of course, uh, we were able to move critical one to safety places uh, and electronic while uh, our server were in the clinic, but we were keeping a double as a, because our medical software is connected with our electronic witnessing software. So we are keeping also in cloud the data. So yeah. save the cloud. So that's why we will, we will save the data and we have access already to data. Right. Okay. Um... Are you in contact with many people in the Ukraine? I mean, you know, in your clinics, it, has it been difficult to contact them in these days? I mean, you know, how is the communication? Uh, no, there are, there, are, there are many, many groups and the different, uh, like WhatsApp, Telegrams, like different. So we are in contact with all of them. Uh, we, are, we, we, we have already joined to this group. So we know all their needs. We know all difficulties. So we are following and we are trying to help. Uh, to be honest, like, I was saying also to my team because they don't want to move. And I say to them, like, if you are in inside of Ukraine, you are helpless. You cannot help any people. But if you are abroad, you can help much more because now people are coming. So we are organizing for them flat. We are organizing for them so foods and everything. Uh, but if we are inside of Ukraine, so, you know, we are embryologists. We cannot go to street to fight. We, we are, I mean, if, if someone give me the weapon, I don't know even how to use. So all of us is the same. Uh, we cannot be helpful over there. But abroad, we are more helpful. So that was the reason, like, they understand also. They have small kids, most of them. I mean, we don't know what will happen over there. Of course, we are hoping everything will be finished. But 
it's situation shows Russia doesn't want to stop. So it's going every day more and more difficulties. So on the beginning, it was like a military fight, but it started to become like many people get damage from them. So they were planning to just shot or bombing like a military places, but station is not like many. I mean, Ukraine is very beautiful and historical country. So such nice historical buildings like museums, like uh, church all get damaged, so it's it's very painful. It's really painful. Have you heard of a clinic being damaged at all, or is that uh, been... yeah? Some of them has actually. There is no clinic like totally destroyed, like a bombing or something. But yeah, there there are a lot of like damage with the bullets, like uh, not lab because we mostly we made a protected place on the lab. So, but there are uh, windows are broken, so there are damages, of course. I cannot imagine how big it is, but some clinic is bigger than us. I mean, we have limited damages, but everyone has, more or less. Uh, I'm talking about up to 120 embryologists. So they are really, all of them are brilliant. They are so smart. They have high skills. So I don't know what will be future for Ukraine for them. Now I am trying to use all my international connection to employ them to different places. Well, you know embryology, how it is. You cannot give break if you are embryologist. You should be in lab. You, you are, I mean, I am like this and most of them are like this. You know, I don't have any social activities or social life. So it's all my lifestyle in lab. I should be in lab. And most of them are like this. So they have to work in lab. They have to try to get out from this trauma a bit. That's why I'm trying to send them in a different clinics. So the main things what I can ask from everyone who has possibility just employ them. I mean, just get them to, to work because those people are really, really good on their experience. And they, I, I believe they will give much more than like a clinics are expected because I, I am here. I am the only international person who is working in Ukraine, actually. Uh, but I was amazed with how they are learning fast, how they are doing such good job. So I guess it's a, also, I cannot call that a chance, but it's a good point for the European clinics and all around the world to get such brilliant people and to give them chance to work. I understand. What can I say? It's uh, it's a privilege to to speak to you and to see what you you know what you've done. It's amazing. We, hopefully, we'll see you at a conference, perhaps, and we'll have a drink or two. Of course. So again, thank you again, and thanks from every embryologist which is stuck on the outside, and you're you're inspiring us. Thank you. Right. Get some rest. Okay. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. I mean, there are no words to just express how remarkable the work Burel and his team are doing is. We, of course, have all our colleagues in Ukraine in our thoughts and we are in regular contact with them and we will keep you as updated as we can. Be sure to visit ivfmeeting.com where you can watch our back catalogue of webinars. Plus, you can sign up for future ones, download our electronic membership card and find all our social media so we can stay in touch.